Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, the day after 420, which most people would look at as some pothead holiday, where I look at it as a revolt against prohibition of all sorts, and I salute you that all went out in public and partook in something that was criminalized for a very, very silly reason. And if you don't know why uh, marijuana was criminalized, then you need to go research that yourself, and then you will understand why the people in the community of the marijuana smokers, especially the ones that use it for medicinal purposes, are pretty upset. But that's not what the topic of the show was for tonight, but I had to get my plug in. Because um, I've done some interviews before with people. Uh, Robert Platshorn did an interview with him on the Adam vs. the Man show one time. Uh, I interviewed uh, Rick Ross. And these are people that were convicted drug dealers. And I don't really look at drugs the same way that the nanny state and that popular culture tells me to look at drugs. You see, everything is a drug. Sugar is a drug. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, caffeine is a drug. It's one of the high, most highly addictive drugs on the planet next to nicotine. But yet those are okay because this state says that they are okay. Now why do I say this? There are some things that really bother me that actually make me get loud and then my wife tells me to calm down and I have to calm down. But you know what? If I think it was David Ortiz can get on television and say this is our fucking town and the FCC lets it go, I got a problem with that. See, the FCC, you guys are a shady organization at best. Censoring the human... You guys are the arbiters of the of the human conversation. You tell us what we can and can't say, how many times we can say it, and when we can say it, and whom can say it. So, here's a fuck you to the FCC. That's right, because I'm emotional about it, so it should be okay. Now, sorry for the rude language to get the show started, everybody. But you know what? Being a political activist, that's kind of what you got to do. You got to speak out. You got to let people know where you stand. Because if you don't have a stance, you end up like those people in um, in Boston cheering, chanting USA, USA. When we capture one guy, shut down an entire city, a couple of cities, excuse me, uh, shut down a couple of cities, cost the city millions of dollars in a, in a in a recession. Some call it uh, you know, almost like stagflation where we have inflation and – anyway. So you can have this big police theater to show the slaves how big of slaves they are. My friends were calling me up. It was very, very funny to me, but they, they kind of snapped back in reality. They, they start calling me up, and they're like, dude, have you seen this? And I'm just laughing on the phone with them. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. I know what they're going to do. Any excuse that the state can have to exercise its power over the sheep to show you where you fall on the food chain, it will do it. You know, I'm just now um, rereading Common Sense, which I, I haven't read in God a long time, probably 20 years. But... Even Thomas Paine says that that's, that's government's job is, is to enslave you, and it always starts out with good intentions, and then it just – nope, lockdown. You know what lockdowns call it, guys? That's what they call it in prison when you go into your prison cells, and then everybody shuts the door. You're on lockdown, and then Boston was on – Boston's on lockdown. 
trying to hunt down the terrorist. Who is he? We don't know. Even though we had pictures of him on the internet, and we knew, the FBI knew who he was because he was a double agent working for the CIA, and all this has come out, and we don't know who this guy is. Somebody please let us know. Really? You guys are funding and ushering these guys around, and then you make it seem like that the American public, that we have no internet. We have no way to research this stuff. Well, you might get your way, government, because CISPA just passed on Friday. And if anybody, who is anybody, has not looked and seen what your congressman did, which mine voted for it, so yes, yes, Rob Woodall, I will be calling you and I will be showing up at your office because you are my representative and you don't get to take my internet freedom away. You don't get to do that. This is America, son. This is not this is not land of the of the chumps, home of the slaves anymore. And I was talking to my friends about this. And this is probably going to be a very weird episode because a lot has happened over the last week and a half and it gets very frustrating. And I think that I've found I think I've found the answer, everyone. The answer, and this is to all the people in the truth community, the people that are wide awake, you guys all know what I'm talking about. You've probably been on the internet like I have been, you know, checking out alternative sites and, and, and going to links and cross-referencing stuff to make sure it all adds up and it's not just somebody, you know, cutting and pasting another article somewhere else. But you know what? We've got to make it. Somehow, you have to. We have to. We as a culture have to make it popular again to be informed. Because right now, the bigger of a, oh, what's a good way to say this? What is a good way to say this? The bigger of a slave you are to the corporate mainstream propaganda, brainwashing, label generating media. The more you're out in the streets chanting USA, USA, while that very day, the previous administration, Condoleezza Rice, uh, George Bush Jr., uh, Dick Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Obama, all indicted on war crimes for torture. But – so – your chant of USA to me signifies how little you really know about your country. Your chant of USA signifies to me tribalism. It symbolizes nationalism. And if you guys hear me start preaching about this stuff, it's because the more I learn, the more I learn about the government kleptocracy and the, and the, and the government monopoly, the more that I learn that this isn't the way that it should be. And I'm not saying pure anarchy, although that is, if you want the definition of freedom, pure anarchy is freedom. It is the absolute most freedom that you can have. But you see, we've become dependent on government for so long that people can't imagine their lives without them. But Jake, how would we protect our how would we protect our communities if we if we didn't have cops? You would hire a private security detail. You would hire an independent agency to do that for you. And then if the ind independent agency sucks, then you go hire a different agency. And then you get competition and competition always breeds a better product. It always does. That's why the, the kleptocrats, the Rothschilds of the world, all say competition is a sin because they want the oligopoly. They want the, the mega monopoly to be able to squat on you and remind you that you are a serf, that you are a debt slave, that you are a slave to the economic system and to the Federal Reserve System and to the fraudulent banking system that is all over the world. How's that for an intro? 
My show today is on false flags, and the reason that I did the show today on false flags is because I had a lot of people, number one, asking me what a false flag was, and then when you start to tell people documented cases throughout history where there have been events of the majority of time, government-staged events to gain more power for the state. To ultimately put the state up on the pedestal as the savior. That's why you call it the nanny state. Is because the state is going to take care of you. So you don't need to worry about protection. You just need to be worried about your loyalty to the state. And that's what it is. And that is all that it is. The nanny state says to you that if you don't have people grabbing your junk and touching your five-year-old as you walk through a metal detector that that thirteen guy or excuse me nineteen guys will coordinate an attack all from majority from Saudi Arabia will come in and coordinate an attack on your country with box cutters and fly planes in the buildings and then your country will then go invade Iraq. Yes, the majority of the people that were involved in 9-11 were Saudi Arabian, Saudi intelligence, trained at U.S. bases. I have a friend that lives down in Florida that was actually flying, getting his private pilot's license when they were getting trained down in Florida. And then, remember, Saudi terrorists attack Iraq. Sounds right, right? But what happens is, you get stirred up in the emotion of the event. And you know, it, it's all due to the media. The media is so excited now, and they're so, they're so, I don't know how to describe them. They always want to get the scoop. It's like, I got to get the scoop. I want my, I want to be the one that breaks this story. This is the story of the year. I'm going to break this marathon story. We got... Dude, we got him. We got the lone terrorist. We got him. Oh, what? What? We don't. We don't have him. Okay, excuse me. We don't have him. No press conference. And then you have people that want to blame their political enemies, which is what always happens. Axelrod, within probably before the bomb even went off, came out and said it's got to be a right wing extremist. It's got to be homegrown. It's got to be homegrown. So. That's the CNN side of things. The Fox always go with a random, you know, Muslim, which is probably, you know, yeah. Because everybody's gonna do some bombing. It's probably gonna be some kind of, some kind of, I would say, some kind of Islamic cell that's usually handled by some kind of intelligence agency over the top of it. At least that's what I've seen, you know, looking at all kinds of bombings. Throughout history, the 7-7 bombing was run by like MI6 or something like that. Now that came out in the papers, but hey, who cares about that, right? It happened all the way over in London. You know, no big deal. But then you have people like Alex Jones that come out and say that it's, you know, that it might be the government. And then Glenn Beck goes, how could he with no proof come out and say that it could be our government? And then Glenn Beck is scrambling now because, oh man, InfoWars came out with, with a couple of interesting – they came they had all the pictures on there. They had all the photos on there, so they're getting traffic like crazy, and Glenn Beck starts freaking out because his little ego – the guy – I don't know what that guy's deal is. Like, I don't get you. You go from Morning Drive to you know CNN to Fox, and now you're on your own, and now you're, and now you're the defender of truth. I'm trying to find out how to be a libertarian. You're trying to find out. Here's the deal, man. Very, very simple. Maximum freedom, government, and we get rid of the Federal Reserve. Ta-da! You're a libertarian. And you can't be for Iraq, and you can't be for Afghanistan. You can't be for preemptive wars in general. Then you're not a libertarian, a.k.a. Neil Bortz, who I don't know if any of you guys know him. He was an Atlanta talk show host that was like, I'm a libertarian, but we got to support the troops, and we got to go to Iraq. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You fail. And then you write the fair tax so you can still keep the IRS involved. What a, what a joke. Whatever. Get out of here. So, <clears throat> so I have compiled 
how many do I have here? I haven't even checked. And uh, I know about all of these, and I just put some show notes in there. So, guys, give me a break if it's like bullet points or whatever. I'm going to try to do the best I can with this. So, what is a false flag? Transitioning into the topic for the show. What is a false flag? Well, a false flag is a naval term that used to describe when a ship was flying the wrong flag in order to deceive or decease or or excuse me, or disguise itself from being um boarded from another group. So let's say that here here's a here's a prime example. Let's say that I am a British merchant ship and I am sailing around to Italy or even better in, in India. So I'm sailing to India and I get to India and in open waters, there's a bunch of pirates, and I know there's going to be a bunch of pirates. So what do I do? I go out and I get a pirate flag, and instead of flying, flying the British flag, I fly the pirate flag as I make my deliveries. Once I get near the port, I you know, send up the British flag, get into port, come out, do the same thing, fly the pirate flag. And the reason it's called a false flag is because it's false representation. Now, from a technical standpoint of a false flag theory or false flag attack, it's when there is foreknowledge of the government that has an attack on itself to expand power. They can do it a multitude of the different ways. They can actually have the attack itself. They can actually stage, run, and, and, and you know coordinate the attack, execute it through you know patsies or whatever. Um, Timothy McVeigh is a good. He's a, he's a pretty good. That's pretty. That whole story's fishy. It's all get out. Uh, 9/11 is another fishy one. But anyway, so they basically stage the provocateurs. They get the patsies up. They hire the patsies, train them, give them the bombs, give them all that stuff. The FBI has been caught doing this, you know, 50 times over the past 10 years. That's from the New York Times. I'll link to that article on the website. But then they actually have their guys run the bombing and then say, oh my god, these radical people attacked our embassy or these, these radical people attacked um, the World Trade Center. U.S. government set up the first World Trade Center bombing. The guy went public and said, listen, these guys, this guy has been trained by FBI or CIA. You know, They gave him the bomb. They told him where to put it, and they're, they're going to frame this guy. And he went public, and, and everything – the whole thing was you know, no, no pun intended, but it was blown wide open. And then the government can hire an independent agency to run the thing for them, and then you know then they have plausible deniability, saying we didn't know anything about the attack, or they could just have a, a willful standout, where they have intelligence that something's going to happen, and they just kind of let it happen. Which in Boston, if you are looking for my inkling, I'm going to say it's more along the lines of a let it happen, or there was a mixture of bad intelligence that that. That nobody got. Either way, either way, a, a really bad event happened, and now we're trying to put the pieces together. And who, who's to blame? So, what has happened in the past? You ask. How a false flag's been used in the past? Well, let's look at Operation Himmler. Operation Himmler was a operation run by the Germans, and I think it was named after Heinrich Himmler who was the propaganda minister at the time. And so what they did was, months up until the event, they were sending out propaganda pieces and newsletters and doing you know, national campaigns, basically accusing Polish authorities of organizing um, and doing you know, violent ethnic, ethnic cleansing of, uh, of German soldiers over in Poland. So they're hyping it and hyping it and hyping it and hyping it. So... Eventually what happens is a bunch of German troops dressed up in Polish uniforms go over and start inaccurately like just shooting around and having like you know vandalizing stuff like that and then they they then retreat and they blame it on the Polish and then it gets a little bit more convoluted as it goes along you have the Glywitz incident which I'm actually going to read um, the majority of the Glywitz incident because this is where everything really kind of gets kicked off in World War II. So this is all staged by the Nazis. Okay, 
This is the Poland has nothing to do with this. This is the Nazis saying, hey, we need to go invade these suckers. How are we going to get this? Well, let's do this. Let's set up a bunch of our guys. We'll send them over there. We'll put Polish uniforms on them. We'll have them shoot Germans. And then we'll put it over the news broadcast that, you know, that the Polish people are attacking the outskirts. And then, uh, and then we'll have the pretext to invade. After they've run all the propaganda beforehand, and this is why it works. This is why 9-11 is so fishy because all the propaganda leading up to 9-11, Osama bin Laden is going to get you, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden, and then bang, 9-11 hits, and all of a sudden, ooh, we know who it is. Within an hour, it's Osama bin Laden. So it's just really fishy stuff. Not saying that our government did it, but you know, it just looks very, very fishy. So... On the, night of, on the night of August 31st, 1939, a small group of German operatives dressed in Polish uniforms uh, seized the Glywitz station and broadcast a short anti-German message in Polish. The Germans' goal was to make the attack on the broadcasting look like an anti-German and Polish saboteurs. So basically, they're making the entire broadcast look like that the Polish people came in and you know they're taking over the operation and it's all anti-German people. To make the attack more convincing, they brought in a German sympathist with the Poles who was arrested the previous day by the Gestapo. And then they dressed him up like the saboteur and then killed him by lethal injection, given gunshot wounds, and then left at the scene for dead. And he appears to be killed while the attack on the station was occurring. There's your patsy. And then it goes on to say that it, in addition to that, there were a bunch of concentration camp people that were that were you know kept there on purpose and blah blah blah. Okay, so that is and that leads to World War II, and we all know what happens there. That is just chronologically in the timeline, and then obviously Hitler stages the Reichstag, and that's another false flag, and they frame up a patsy there as well. So let's move on now. One, two, three, four now. Four now from your loving corporatist international crime syndicate capital United States. And I'm not saying crime syndicate capital like our government's bad, everybody. I'm saying that we house the corporatocracy. We are the Basically, the center of the world for the corporatocracy. Working with Washington and the world's largest military, the corporations have now leveraged governments and corporations together to basically form an inner cabal, if you will, to go around and take people's liberties and have mineral grabs and stuff like that. And then you living in the empire, in the modern-day empire, which is done through – you know, going and buying off, you know, presidents, and if the presidents don't play balls and they just kill them, and you know, signing them on to huge debts from the World Bank and the IMF to get them under their thumb, it's a new age of imperialism. It is globalism, and it is done through fraud, aka fiat currency, and also through manipulation of people in power. So here we go, Operation Ajax. For those of you that don't know. The United States has not always been Iran's best friend. Why is there such vitriol towards the United States? Well, it's a good question. Seeing as though Mohammad Mosaddegh was a democratically elected leader of Iran that was not really playing patty cakes with the Anglo-Iranian Oil Corporation, also known as BP now. So Mosaddegh gets a little uppity, and he says that they're going to stop, you know, their quote unquote agreement with the United States. And their agreement was that the Iranian oil profiteers get 16% of the good profits that they get just by being buddies with the BP oil company. How exciting! So Mosaddegh doesn't think that this is a very good deal for him, and he wants. The oil fields nationalized. And then Iran was nationalized under near unanimous support from the parliament, and it was a bill introduced by Mosaddegh. And 
basically they were kind of giving the bird to the British, saying that you know, you know, your Anglo-American establishment is—I I might have said United States at the beginning. We actually come in a little bit later on in the deal once once Kermit Roosevelt does all his stuff, but. They come in and say that, you know, we look, this is British imperialism. We're done with this. So, what happens? So, the CIA has a guy by the name of Kermit Roosevelt. And if the name sounds familiar, I think he's either the cousin or the nephew of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was our president. Or, might have been Teddy Roosevelt. That was probably Teddy. Yeah, sorry, wrong time frame. So, it was Teddy Roosevelt's niece, or excuse me, nephew, what have you. So what happens? So they send Kermit Roosevelt over there, and he decides that he is going to single-handedly overthrow Iran. And with great slickness and stealth, they start buying off the monarchy. They start buying off politicians. They start buying off army officers, and they start running a full-on ad campaign, propaganda campaign against Mossadegh. So as the vitriol kind of swells against Mossadegh, not really, you'll see how we do this here in a minute, the CIA then, after putting that into place, putting setting that little wheel in motion, running the trying to buy off everybody, you know, bribing street thugs and all these people and the politicians and the clergy and whatever and the uppity people. Then they start buying off a lot of these little just I guess like mobster guys. And so they incite they have the mobsters go to Mosadek's residence and then they incite a bunch of riots and stuff like that. And so they then they then capture and the, and the riots kill like you know at least three hundred people. It's just absolute bedlam. And then after the riots, they round up Mosadek, try him for treason, and then they sentence him to three years and then house arrest. And then his supporters are all rounded up and tortured and executed. Just same kind of deal. And then they put this other guy in who's sanctioned by the Shah of Iran. Because the Shah really didn't have any power at this time. It was basically all Mosaddegh, and he was – and the Shah was kind of fading. And so now he stepped up to the plate to kind of get himself back in the world. And then um, – so they put this guy, and I'm going to butcher his name, Palav, Palave. And he rules for the next 26 years, straight up authoritarian. And so that, my friends, is the reason that the Iranians don't really like the Americans too much. How would you like it? This is what I always try to go back to because Americans are so blindsided because we – look, we are the greatest country in the world with the most freedom up until you know the police state gets set in. And then it's just going to be – you're going to wonder what planet you stepped on. And you got a preview of that up in Boston, so you got a preview of what's to come. So – and i got to read this Forbes article because it's just so ridiculous. The guy talks about – Bostonians were so brave to give up their liberties for a day and just cooperate and go along. I'm like, what kind of communist crap is this? Just bow down to the people in the black uniforms and the helmets, strutting around, marching around down the streets. Listen, that is not freedom, people. Not even close. Not even close. All right, so I trailed off a little bit. So... Here's what I would equate it to, Americans. Who who do the Americans hate worse than the Iranians? Probably no one. Uh, all right, let's say that Saddam Hussein's still in charge somehow. Because the Americans really – oh, no, even better. Osama bin Laden comes back from the grave. Okay, so now you have it. Osama bin Laden comes back from the grave, which he's already done like four or five times according to U.S. intelligence, but whatever. Died of like kidney failure six, seven years ago. All right, so Saddam, or excuse me, I got lost here. 
So Osama is going to send over, with all of his wealth and everything, he's going to send over one of his best agents. And his agent's going to come in, and his agent's going to sit there, and he's going to go around. He's going to buy off all the Republicans, all the Democrats, probably buy off Joe Biden for like five bucks. Um, uh, Obama, you're going to have to match him whatever you know the global monopoly men are paying him, which is going to be a, a, a bunch. And so everybody's bought off. Boom, that's all done. And bought all these guys off. And he's going to go around to the clergy and start buying up the clergy. This doesn't. This is not like an overnight deal. Buying off the clergy and telling them to, you know, hey, you, you guys might want to, you guys might want to rethink Obama. He's, you know, democracies are really not the best way to go. And they're preaching this, and the, and then, then they start hiring the guys to go out in the street and protest. And then the protests turn violent. And then they all blame it on the political enemies like they always do and say, well, it's Obama, it's democracy's fault, and blah, blah, blah. So then they yank out Obama, and then they put in whomever uh, Osama bin Laden wants to be president. They're like, here, this guy. Yay, you, you win. That's what we did to Iran in a nutshell. And you wonder why they don't like us. So all of you that stare parade around about how you love freedom and democracy, learn history first, and then be empathetic to other countries and be empathetic to other human beings. Because as soon as you start losing empathy, like the people out there trading USA, USA, didn't know that that same day that we killed 52 people in a drone strike. A lot of them children. Stop being a nationalist. Stop being a cheerleader for the global corporate combine. Stop. Is not your buddy. The global corporate combine is not your buddy. The U.S. government is not your buddy. None of these things are your buddies. You have to get over this. Am I saying that there are bad people in government? Of course, there's bad people everywhere. There's bad people in corporations. Am I saying there are good people in government? Absolutely. Those are the ones that are holding this stuff together. So you have to get over this whole idea have to get over the idea that national pride is the only thing that matters. Because the Germans had a whole ton of national pride, and so did the Soviets. Hey, the Chinese got a whole ton of national pride, too. So it's a very scary thing that I see from an uninformed public cheering the capture of one guy after your entire city, an entire metropolitan area, gets shut down and costs your city over $30 million. And it's just acclamation, folks. It's not, that's not rocket science. I've been sitting here on the air for over a year telling you guys about this stuff. I'm like, look. you know, And, and the fact that they you know, skewed his Miranda rights and said, well, you don't get any because you're an enemy combatant. Well, there's your NDAA. Come on out. This is what it's like, folks. And yes, the world is kind of scary, but it's even more scary if you're an uninformed cheerleader for the global corporate combine. Now we're going to move on to our next stage false flag attempt by our government, which was the Gulf of Tomkin incident. All of these have been declassified. If you want to read up more, there have been a multitude of books written in Jesse Ventura's 63 documents the government doesn't want you to read. He covers all of them, except for Operation Gladio, which I'm going to touch on here in a second. But the Gulf of Tomkin incident is very, very fun. Why is it fun, Jake? It's fun because it sent my, it sent people into a war that they weren't supposed to be in. It sent my father off to war. I'm not happy about that. And my father and everybody at the time thought that they were doing the right thing. They were doing it for liberty. They were doing it to fight communism because that is a, a time that I can't even fathom. After watching what happens with World War II and Nazi Germany and then the splitting of Germany, um, dividing it into East and West Berlin and then having the the, the communist faction and then, and then the, the republic faction on the other side – it's just very, very, very scary. And then 
communism is now the enemy. Communism is the buzzword, and it starts popping up everywhere. And then you have what happened over in – not to say let's, – let's, let me preface this because that's a really tough thing to say that my father went to war unjustly, but he was duped and, and not being duped in the – he was just – they were just not given access to the information. So two separate incidents. First, the USS Maddox engages um, a couple of um, north of Vietnamese torpedo boats, and they shoot a couple rounds at them. You know, the ship gets hit. That's all over. A couple of days later, the National Security Agency says a second incident happens on August 4th, and that was the false flag that got us in there. It said that they've they've attacked the U.S. ships. Well, they've attacked ships, so we got to go in and invade. And it didn't happen. The board actually the boat actually returns to port unscathed. The San Diego Sun, I believe it is, reports about it, and then that's it. And then off to war we go, because we are the war combine. We are, we are the military might of the global corporate combine. So that was false flag number two. False flag number three. Your government, not your government per se, but the CIA, was involved in what's called Operation Gladio. And once again, these are times that I never lived in, so I can't even imagine what it was like, but I'm sure it was very, very interesting, very James Bondy. But this is very, very crazy stuff. Operation Gladio was basically to leave behind um, sleeper cells of anti-communist um, pro-NATO uh, groups. And they were stationed in Italy as a, as a simulant to... If the Communist Party started to rise up in Italy, then they would have uh, secret assassinations, sabotages, blow up buildings, uh, guerrilla warfare, all those things. So what happens is after the murder of the Democratic leader, um, Moro – excuse me, I'm reading here – by the Red Brigades, the propaganda starts up, describing all – of the left-wing terrorist activity on a rogue stage as a tension meant for preventing parliamentary access to power for the, by the Italian Communist Party. That's what that was about. See, the Italian Communist Party was starting to grow at this time. And the U.S. can't have that because, remember, we're in a soft war with Russia after this because now it's the jostling of the two the two big powers. And so they're afraid that the Russians' version of communism is going to flood over to Italy, and then the West will lose its hold on Italy. So what they basically do is they have a bunch of clandestine armies that stay over there, and these guys were all over everywhere. It's not just in Italy. It's all over the West, all over Europe, basically trying to keep communism out of these um, – out of these European countries. But that's also kind of shafty in the same way that that the Iranian thing is kind of shifty. I said shafty, I meant shifty. It's also very shifty. You know, if this country wants to be a communist country, then and they elect a communist leader, or they're they're going to elect a communist leader and then pfft, he's done. I mean let them do what they want, but you got to play ball with the global corporate combine, and they weren't doing it. So that brings me to my last, and this is all off the top of my head because I've read it like four or five times, the declassified portions at least. Operation Northwoods. Which was green-lighted by our CIA. Thank God JFK decided not to do it. Probably one of the other reasons that he is not with us anymore. 
But Operation Northwoods was a false flag attack crafted by our government in order to get us into war with Cuba. Now, what they were going to do is first, they were going to have attacks on Cuban military bases. Cubans are not very far from Miami. They were going to have attacks on Cuban military bases. They were going to blow up armories. They were going to do all kinds of stuff, shoot a bunch of people. And then they were going to they were going to blame it on the on the communists. So basically, you know, some kind of sh shade warfare where they say that their own country attacks them, so we got to go help them. And and then they say that they're going to get. And this is pretty elaborate. This is crazy. And you can look all this up. They're going to paint planes with the Cuban logo on it. And fly them around and bomb stuff, and then they're going to land at a secret island base and then take the numbers and the paint off the plane. And this is all green-lighted, by the way. They were also going to they were also going to attack movie theaters, and what else were they going to do? I can't remember. It was just so crazy that they were going to run all these things and then blame Cuba as a pretext to go and invade. And JFK said no. He said no. Didn't didn't really work out too well for him. So why do we bring up the false flag? Well, because you have to think about it like this, everyone. Who stands to gain from this? Do you think that the radical jihadis stand to gain by blowing up three people and injuring a hundred and something others? That doesn't do them any good. It really, I mean, so who would stand to gain? Well, after what I saw, sure does look like that that our government would stand to gain quite a bit. After I saw the pageantry for arresting someone in a, in a in a fatal bombing, and then Lindsey Graham comes out and says that you don't get a trial, you're an enemy combatant. It's all conditioning. It's really it's really sad. So you get that, and then you get the big lockdown of Boston. Which people keep asking me all the time because they know that I'm informed. I got my ear to the ground on this stuff because, you know, I, I'm going to have kids. I want my kids to grow up in a, in a free country, and I don't want them to grow up in a police state. If I did, I'd move to North Korea and have a kid over there. But what you saw was was just basically political theater, showing that Papa government is going to take care of you. And it really can't. And that's what's so sad. Is that all of you guys that believe that having a cop on every corner is gonna be is gonna protect you, taking away people's guns are gonna protect you, make you safer, and you know, all of that. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And you if you look down into your soul, you probably don't understand it either. But that's what you've been conditioned to say. Believe me, I was brainwashed by the magic box for a long, long, long time. That's how I know what gets people out of it. What gets people out of it is not getting in people's face and saying, you got to look at this. You need to do this. I mean, it might work for some people. I mean, and I listened to Alex Jones for like three months before I started doing research. The true thing that woke me up is I watched Zeitgeist and I found out that my – the – what I thought was my currency is actually getting printed by a private bank, and that made me very curious. So that's where it all started rolling. And then I listened to Alex because it's just it's it's fun to hear somebody get as mad as I get. Because I get that mad, but nobody can hear me but my wife, so it doesn't really do me any good. Alex gets mad and a thousand people or a couple million people hear him. I feel really bad for everybody that was affected up in Boston. I feel really bad for you guys.
But you should have people lining the streets telling those cops to go to go pound sand. If you knew that the guy was in Watertown, why did you guys lock down every other district in the area and cost your city millions upon millions of dollars? Ask yourself that question, audience. Ask yourself that question. Why would they lock down a city if they knew exactly where he was? Oh, it's kind of close. You know, he could he could he could get on the run. He could do it. And then you tell all the citizens to stay inside or you're arrested. And then and then you have Forbes praise everybody for oh, you guys were such you were such good sheep. You were such good sheep that you you did what you were told to do. You did what you were told to do, you know, when when the um when the when the cops say that you're going to go on lockdown, you did what you're supposed to do. Good job. Pat you on the head. The state loves you. Now give us half your paycheck. Literally. Literally that's what it is. Okay. So I'm going to read from a Forbes article real quick and then I'm going to play a a a portion of a broadcast that I that I got off the internet. You know, and Glenn backs up there grandstanding about how he's got the answer and he knows the truth and Dude, I know what you are. I really do. You know, go make your money, dude. Go make your money, but just just stop. Go parade around with your geriatric, you know, audience. You know, your 40s and 50s and 60s that are just terrified that Muslims are hiding behind under every table and behind every chair and they've all got bombs strapped to them. I mean, just come on, dude. And uh, no, I'm not worried about the radical jihadis. You know why? Because I'm nine times more likely to get killed by a cop than I am by a terrorist. That's why. I'm not scared of somebody every ten years blowing something up through something that would be called blowback in any other country, but here it's a terror attack. Oh my God, it's we've been attacked by terrorists, dude. We attack people every day. Every day we're dropping remote control bombs on people, and nobody protests for those guys. And so I'm trying to find the portion of this article that I really wanted to to read because it's just it's so it, it's so amazing. I just can't even get over it. And they talk about, well, yeah, do we have corrupt people and people that can't lead? Well, yeah, of course we do, but we're still here. We're still America. It's just this is really crazy. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm going to go to this audio clip so I can hopefully find this section that I want to read because it's. I mean, it's just so sick. It, it's absolutely sick. These people. All right. So here's the, here's the Fox clip where the. And if anybody wants to call in on this, you can call in on it. It's a six zero two seven five three nineteen sixteen. Call in and weigh in on your thoughts on. The bombing, you got about 10 minutes here. Do you think it was a provocateur attack? Do you think it was a staged attack? Do you think it was magic al-Qaeda that's everywhere, under all the tables and under all the chairs? Do you think that it's weird that our government met with a Saudi national and that, um, and that the Saudi ambassador went into the, to the hospital shortly thereafter and he's got you know, terrorists in his, you know, his lineage and all this crazy stuff. That's probably what Glenn Beck's going to talk about tomorrow. It's going to be like, I've got the breaking news that this, uh, you know, the Saudi guy was, he actually has seven family members that are terrorists. Well, duh, dude. I can, I can read too, man. You know, I, I can read alternative news sources too. You're not specials. You know, it's what happens when you scan news. It's amazing, isn't it? So here's the clip of the Fox News stuff where it talks about the marathon runner is sitting there saying that they were running a drill that morning. And why does the drill matter? I'll talk about the drill later. All right, so here is the Fox News clip. The only way you have perfect security is have a perfect surveillance state. Sorry, wrong file. But hey, that was actually pretty uh, that was pretty spot on right there. And that was from uh, George Orwell's 1984. And that's what we're headed to, the perfect police state. Doesn't that sound like fun? And it looks like that this uh, file or whatever did not upload for me. Oh, here it is. 
at the start line this morning, they had um, bomb spotters on the roof of the building, and they had bomb-sniffing dogs coming up and down at the start line, and Melanie said there was bomb-sniffing dogs at the finish line, but they kept making announcements saying to the participants, do not worry, this is just a training exercise. Well, evidently, I don't believe they were just having a training exercise. I think they must have known, they must have had some kind of threat or suspicion called in. Are you telling me that your government would allow people to get hurt so that they could pass CISPA? Come on. Are you telling me that your government would let people get hurt because it came out that same day that that the Bush administration, all of the administration, had been found guilty on a bipartisan committee for war crimes? Come on. I don't buy that. This is America. Government loves us. I've never understood that. I do not do not get that one bit, everyone. I really just don't. I I, I would love to believe that that our government would would do something about this. And what really creeped me out was watching. Here, here's the thing that I have a problem with, and this this will just encapsulate it for everybody. Multiple. Photographs, videos of guys in black jackets, black backpacks, khaki pants, fatigues, and then wearing like almost like seal hats, but I think they were Kraft International or something like that in the militant group. I mean, come on. And they're all over the start and finish line, like the guy says. And and the FBI guys will not even talk about it. Like, I think Dan Bodondi was uh, one of the guys from InfoWars, got in there and got the first question in. It's like, why were you guys running a drill? And the FBI guy looks and just looks away and goes, next question. Hey, that's a pretty damn good question. Why the hell are you guys running a drill? And then magically a bomb goes off. That's never happened before, 7-7. Mm-mm. That's never happened before, 9-11. Hey, we're... Um, we're um this is the control tower. You can listen to the tapes. Um we're getting feedback that there's been some hijacked planes. Is this because uh, they were running a drill that same morning, same time, with planes getting hijacked by terrorists and then flying them into buildings. And the reason that they do that is to create confusion and they can always have a backout story if they need it. That is all that it is. Oh, we didn't know. That was just a drill. The drill must have gone wrong. Something happened with the drill. We don't know. Maybe Al-Qaeda slipped in and put a real bomb in there. Don't know. We gotcha. So, the overarching message of this whole situation is that the nanny state cannot keep you safe. The only thing that it can do is violate your rights and take you down a path that you do not want to go down. But, as the American public falls sycophantically in love with being winners to the extent that we are now the chumps of the world. We are absolute chumps. Nobody likes you around the world. It's pretty much fact. Go go anywhere in Europe and tell them you're American and, and have a smile on your face. Watch what happens. We're not liked. But we're not liked and it's not because of us. It's 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 because you've been misguided. You've been misdirected. That's why I had this show. It's to try to inform you, to get a friend, get informed, to get involved. Because I'll tell you what, being involved is so much more, so much, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, it's it's your duty as a citizen to be informed. Because that's what this country was founded on. If you read the Founders... Our country was founded so the fact that we could have an informed public, an informed population, because they know that if the population becomes uninformed, then it becomes enslaved, and you're slowly seeing it. You are slowly seeing the erosion of the once great United States. It, 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 it makes me sad. 
it makes me sad that I can see it, that a couple of my friends can see it, but then I have a sect group of my friends that can't see it at all. Because they want to play the game. And what the game is, everyone, is short-term attention span, cognitive dissonance, it is pandering to labels, and it is striving to be a chump. Now, what do I mean by that? Here's a good example. I have a friend that I work with, and I have not met this person yet. I have a, well, excuse me, I have a friend who worked with this person, and they were chatting, and they were working on passwords or whatever, and they said that um, he's in IT, and this girl was at, like locked out of something. And I don't mean that this is not a bash on women or anything, because I've met men like this before. They said, well, what's the password? And he's like, well, Green Lantern is the password. And she's like, what's a Green Lantern? And they're like, uh, it's a comic book back, you know, 60s, 50s, I don't know. So like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, I need another password. What's this password? He's like, well, that that password is Joker, like the Joker from Batman. She's like, what? What's Joker? I don't, I don't get it. So they go down the line. She didn't know who – he started asking her questions. What about Adolf Hitler? Had no clue who Adolf Hitler was. Fantastic. Victory for the global corporate combine. Got a nice little slave there, debt slave. Um, and then he's like, what about John Lennon? He's like, didn't he have a TV show or something? I cannot make this stuff up, guys. I mean, I wish the story was me, so I could have gone even even further. I would have I would have gone even further, and I would have pulled a dollar out of my pocket and put it in front of her and be like, "Where does this come from? Where do we get this? How do you get that? Well, it comes into my bank account. It's magic. Poof. I get paid, and it comes in. Anyway, so not to digress off of that. But those are the people that we're trying to reach because they have just been so conditioned in the brainwashing. And it's not their fault. It's generations of brainwashing. These people know exactly what they're doing. I Listen, my parents are starting to wake up. My dad's starting to wake up slowly but surely. And my mom's a little bit more awake than my dad. But, you know, side, side issues. But what you see here is you have... If you have people that grew up on television, if you have people that that don't read and study history and don't really care about politics, all they care about is you know aligning themselves with the winning team, which is what America is all about. America pushes you. It's like it's almost like Rome in a sense. It's like be successful, be successful, be successful, and it's like yes, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But what they don't teach you is that being informed has its own path of success, which branches off. From the global corporate crime syndicate. It does. It branches off into the stratosphere where if you're in pain and contained by the Borg, you do nothing but get corporate jobs, go work as a nurse, do something like that where you never break outside of the nice little boxes that they've laid out for you. One of the best videos I've ever seen in my life, and I'm going to have to reload it on my website was by Alan Watt, and he talks about how he's like, he said, you know, in America, you wake up and you're like, you go to school, and then you get through kindergarten, you go to grade school, and then you get to grade school, and you go to high school, and then you go to college, and then you get your college degree, and now you're going to go to workforce, and then it's coming. Your your payoff is coming, and then you start working your way up the ladder, and then it's coming, and it's coming. And then you get all the way up to them, and then eventually this guy, little cartoon character is in the CEO's office. He's like, and then it's coming, and it's coming, and then you find out as you're sitting in the CEO's office that you missed it. You missed the entire point of life. And life is just a ride, everyone. And just be on the right side of history and know your stuff and be informed and and love each other and love humans. Don't love flags don't love uniforms. Don't love any of that stuff. Love your fellow humans. And then we have a chance to really do some damage. And I mean with a complete love revolution like Dr. Ron Paul talks about. So that's it for me, everybody. Thanks for listening. Sorry, a little rambly show. 
But hey, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, false flags do happen. Was Boston a false flag? We'll never know. Take it easy, everyone. In your heart, Freedom. Freedom. Oh, you deserve your freedom. Freedom. Yeah, it's in the feeling that you.